Well, good morning, everybody. I want to iterate to, uh, to all of you following along with Blake. Happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers, our aspiring mothers, and those who are too young to be mothers, but one day will be. Uh, we're glad to have you all today. If you're with us for the first time, um, we are, are not going to have a Mother's Day sermon today. Sorry about that. Um, but we are going to continue in our series on the Ten Commandments. You know, this topic could be great for mothers. We're, talk- we're talking about rest, the fourth commandment, uh, God's command to us to observe a Sabbath. And our text has immediate application to all of our lives, because if you think about it, one of the primary stressors in our lives comes from the things that we need. I mean, the, the work of our hands, right? I mean, the, the labor that we do. And for that, we need rest. I think uh, if we're honest, um, it's evident that two things are, are true about our lives. One of the biggest uh, Things that we do is work, but it's also the biggest producer of stress. The second thing is um, we're busy people, especially here in D.C. For no apparent reason, um, we got a lot to do. Uh, if you ask someone, um, if you get beyond their name, the next thing that you ask them to do is, I mean, what do you do, right? And so this is on the tip of our, our tongues all the time. Uh, some of us in this room right now are workaholics, and I would tell you, you're probably tired from all those things that you do, even if you don't want to admit it. And the, the fact of the matter is most of us could really use the rest. So we're going to be in Exodus chapter 20. Uh, we're going to be focusing on verses 8 through 11. However, just for context, we're going to read all the Ten Commandments today, verses 1 through 17. If you've come without a Bible, uh, there is a Bible underneath the middle aisle of seats. Grab one of those and, uh, and use it as we're working through the scriptures today. We're going to read these 17 verses out loud together. Who turned up the heat? It's like hot back here. Like in that front room in the lecture hall, I mean, we're like, we're freezing. They obviously aren't pushing back the air condition to this, uh, to the inner bowels of the school. All right, let's read together. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments." You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. The seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or your male servant 
or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is in your neighbors. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful for the day. Thank you for the sunshine that comes after a week of rain. We know we needed the rain, but it's always good to see the sun poking through. We thank you for your creativity uh, in your creation that gives us such a variety of, of weather and of weather conditions and that really replenishes your earth with all that it needs. Lord, we thank you for the gathering of your church. We, we celebrate today our, our mothers in our midst. We thank you for all that our mothers do to care for us, to nurture us, to, to birth us, and to, to, to raise us up to be the people that we are in this world. Um, everyone born on the earth comes from a mother. We thank you for mothers today of, of all types and varieties. Lord, as we open your word today, uh, we, your people, um, uh, call you our God. And Lord, we pray that you would help both our ears, our eyes, but more importantly, our hearts to be attentive to all that you're saying to us individually and corporately as a people. Lord, this is one of those commands that sometimes we, uh, we just like say it, we give it lip service, and then we keep on moving because our culture sometimes uh, dismisses it. Lord, help us um, not to do that today, but to heed your word and, uh, and, and really up front to repent from those ways that we've ignored you and, uh, and help us to turn to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, so we're going to be focusing on verses 8 through 11 in our text today. And really, we're going to ask two questions of, of this particular text. We're going to ask, um, what does a commandment mean? And how should we observe it today? And, and the, the, the text is going to give us answers to both of those. Um, when we ask what the commandment means, really the text is going to lay this out pretty simply for us. It tells us what we're supposed to do. It's going to tell us how we're supposed to observe the Sabbath, and it, it's going to give us some reasons why. So uh, pay attention to that. Uh, pick your ears up. Uh, open your ears uh, for that. And really starting in verse 8, we get the what? We get the, 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 the question and the answer that tells us what to do. Verse 8 simply says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So what God commands us to do is is to remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy. The Sabbath wasn't a new thing for the nation of Israel. Uh, They had experienced it before. Actually, they had been told to observe it before. Uh, in In the history of the nation of Israel, of course, they spent 400 years in slavery uh, in Egypt. They're delivered by the hand and miracles of Moses. Uh, They come out of Egypt. They go through the Red Sea by that miracle, God dividing the waters. They get on the other side of the Red Sea. God takes them through the wilderness en route to Mount Sinai. And uh, and then they start looking around and it's like, oh, no, we don't. We got this horde of people and we don't have anything to eat. All right. So in Exodus 16, uh, the Israelites started complaining. I mean, they started griping, they're taking their, and they're taking their complaints to Moses. And here's what they're, they're saying. Look, we were slaves in Egypt, but in Egypt we had meat. We were slaves in Egypt, we had leeks and all kind of herbs and stuff. And out here, I mean, what are we going to eat? We can't eat each other. And we're a sacrificial people. All these animals, that, this livestock, we're supposed to devote that to the Lord. And so Moses takes their complaint to God, and God obliges them. And... What God does is he sends manna. 
Okay? He sends uh, a, a substance that came down with the dew-like rain in the morning, this manna, which was uh, like a wafer, it covered the ground. So much so that each person was able to take about a liter of it, and that's what they used to make bread. And that, uh, he didn't stop there. He also uh, sent quail into their camp so that they would be able to have, have meat. And, uh, and basically what we read is God told them to collect the manna for six days out of seven. On the sixth day, they were supposed to collect double the amount so that on the seventh day, it would be a day of rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. That's Exodus chapter 16, verse 23. So uh, really, the, the Hebrew people knew what this command was about. It wasn't foreign to them. God was simply reminding them to observe the Sabbath. And he was reminding them uh, primarily because they're just like us. Uh, human beings tend to forget. We're people that you can tell us one thing, it goes through our ear, we might, we might address it for that one couple seconds, but then, I mean, we'll, we'll turn our head and then we will completely forget. I think most of us have short-term memory. Isn't that right? I know y'all. We tend to drift. Um, we're consumed with all the activities of our lives, perhaps our jobs, those things that, that we really are supposed to be doing, and we tend to forget all the other things. While we're here, those things that are important, and perhaps even what is the, the main point of everything of why we exist. That's the what we learn about the how in verses 9 and 10. The, the, the word says, Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. And so, I mean, God doesn't leave any stone unturned. He tells them exactly how they're supposed to observe the Sabbath. Note this, God tells Israel how to observe the Sabbath, and he leads in with telling them, giving them, giving them some specific details about what they're supposed to do with those six days leading up to the day they're supposed to take a rest. And what does he say? He says, focus on your work. And basically says, I mean, you're supposed to work hard so that you have something to rest for when you come to that, that seventh day. I think as I think about my life and all the work that I've done, but, um, you know, just the people I know, there tends to be two different perspectives on work. Either work is a necessary evil. I mean, right? I mean, it's like, and, and if, if work is a necessary evil, it's like, all right, so I know I got to work. I got to work because I want to eat. I got to work because I got bills to pay, but I really hate my job. And I wish I didn't have to do it. But, but the other side of that is you have those people that actually love what they do. In fact, more than love it, it's, it consumes them. It's like they live to work. They have become their work. It is what they identify in. And the Bible does address those two extremes. And it addresses it right at the very beginning of creation. God says this. He says, you were created to work. So God is not opposed to you working. In fact, the Bible tells us work is a divine gift that goes all the way back to the fall. God creates the world in six days, and in the midst of that, he creates the Garden of Eden. He puts the man, Adam, in the Garden of Eden. He gives Adam these commands. It says, he took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to care for it, Genesis 2.15. So we take from those verses that God created us to work. Adam and Eve weren't supposed to just like sit down on a rock and just watch the, you know, watch the animals go by and, and uh, 
you know, shoot, shoot away the, uh, the, how do we say it? Shoot away the gnats as they, as they pass by, right? They, God gave them things to do. In fact, Adam and Eve were vice regents for God over all of the, the earth. They were supposed to have dominion over all that God had created and subdue those things that wouldn't submit to their authority. And therein was their work. Here's the trouble with the, the idea of work, even as we consider that God made us for work. Um, the sin that ensued when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, doing what he said not to do, also cursed our work. In fact, um, as Genesis 3 comes around, um, Adam and Eve, of course, disobey God. God curses the, the serpent. He curses Eve. He curses Adam. And he curses the ground. And he curses the ground such that it would, it would require extra labor and toil to get the ground to do those things that the ground, that God created the ground to naturally do, to, to produce food for us so that we would have something on the other end of our labor. Genesis 3.17 says, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you'll eat of it all the days of your life. And so sin has made the work of our hands even harder. It did then, and of course, we experience that now. That's why we have the two extremes of some who labor really hard to make a little bit of money to put food on a table and pay your bills, and you probably might even like, not like what you do. And the other extreme is work consumes you so that you, you begin to worship it. It, it, it takes over all of uh, the things that you actually care about. That's not the way it was supposed to be at the beginning. In the beginning, in this fourth commandment in particular, God reminds us that we're supposed to honor God, work hard for six days, and then on the seventh day to worship and rest, trusting in God and all that, um, he has, um, that he has control over us. In verse 10, we specifically see uh, what we're supposed to do on the Sabbath. One day in seven is to be taken for worship and rest. Here's the thing, another thing to note. Um, this command is for everybody. The, the scripture says that your son and your daughter and uh, the sojourner, uh, any, any person who's working for you, to include yourself, are supposed to be able to, um, to, to share in this rest. For individual families, workers, even animals are supposed to have a day of rest. There's no dividing line here. Uh, one commentator says, Really what God has put in this fourth command is the original worker bill of rights that gives you privileges as a laborer working for someone else. What does the Sabbath mean? It means that we're supposed to cease or stop. It means that we're supposed to take a time to rest. And so Israel was supposed to rest from their work and their toil. And that word toil is important. Uh, all of us in this room um, don't have jobs that require us to actually exert physical energy and for which we might sweat. Um, Israel didn't either. There were people who, who were leaders and judges and who did administrative tasks and of course the, the, the priests and you had all kinds of uh, jobs, some of which were not physical jobs and I would say probably 60% of this congregation, if not more, uh, of those of you that work, have administrative jobs that don't require you to sweat as in uh, the, the work of your, your, your hands. 
But you do do things that require toil. You lead people. You manage things. You think about things in a deep way that might even cause you stress. And so that word toil is important. Here's the the gist of what this command is telling us. It says, the work that you're normally giving yourself to do, whatever that work is, physical or non-physical, the work that you're giving yourself to is to be put on hold so that on that one day, the Sabbath day, a day of rest, you would stop striving and you would start trusting. You trust not yourself and your work, you trust God. You all see the connection? This is what this command is, is telling us to do. For many of us, working is the primary instrument by which we, I mean, by which we exist. And God knows that. It's the, it's the means that he's given you to meet your physical needs. But what happens in most of our lives is we quickly start trusting in our work rather than trusting in the God who gives us the work. And so God's command really is to, to simply remember And when you remember, what you're fundamentally doing is you're trusting. Remember the Sabbath. And the whole point is not fixated on a particular day. We're going to get into this in a second. It's remembering God himself, the God who created the heavens, the God who created the earth, really the God who created you. So here's the what. Israel was commanded to remember the Sabbath, to keep it holy. That means it's a separate day. It's to be a day unlike all the other six in the week. Here's the how. They were to set aside a day for rest, to relax, to recuperate, a day to step back from life's ordinary routines in order to really rediscover uh, and appreciate God and his goodness and his grace in our lives. In verse 11, we find the why. For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the seventh day and made it holy. And so the reason for the, the, reason for the commandment is, is pretty simple. We serve a working, resting God. That, that's the, the model that God gives us in the creation. He worked for six days, and then he rested. There are some other reasons. Firstly, uh, the Sabbath, remembering the Sabbath, is both commanded and modeled by the Lord himself. As I just said, God created the universe in six days, and then he rested on the seventh. And so God has really given us a divine example that he expects us to follow. Why do we work? We work because Genesis 2.15 said God gave Adam some some work to do. More than that, um, we're created in God's image. We mirror God in many of the ways that that uh, he put us on the earth to mirror him. And so we work because we're created in his image. Why do we rest? We rest because God rested, but we also rest because God in his creative work, after it was done, uh, he enjoyed a divine leisure. And I mean, really, if, if God can, if God commands it and then models it for us, we would be fools not to think that we're supposed to do it as well. I think it's supposed to mean something if God commands it, but he also does it. Here's another reason. We desperately need it. I don't know if you're, I mean, y'all are like me. Um, you work hard, and then uh, you, either, you either press through your, uh, you know, the, the, the moment when you know you should take a rest uh, to, to relax and recuperate. You either press through that, 
um, or you, you collapse from physical, uh, physical exhaustion. But here's the, here's the deal. Uh, the Sabbath rest promotes our worship of God. It's, it's the time that we're supposed to take and to contemplate all that God is in our life and what he's done for us. The Sabbath rest is supposed to restore us both spiritually and physically. The, the, the scriptures say it's for our benefit. I'll elaborate on this verse a little bit later. Jesus says in the New Testament, the Sabbath was made for man. Before there was ever any sin, God rested. Okay, and, and that Sabbath, that day was made for you to do all that you would need to do to worship and rest in God. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but this is, this is, this is a, a point of humility for those of us who are human, but you can't even exist without water, food, and rest. Um, uh, I, I like to think that I can't. I went to, uh, in the Army, I went through Ranger School, and I learned that uh, because Ranger School made me, uh, you can actually exist on about two to four hours of sleep a night. Okay, Ranger School is about 72 days long, but this is what happens when you do a perpetual cycle of only two to four hours of sleep a night. You start hallucinating. And so one of my, uh, one of my I was going to say one of my favorite hallucinations, <laughs> one, of, one of the things I remember, I don't hallucinate a lot. Uh, let me just correct that. You're right. <laughs> I used to. I stopped that. Um, so in Ranger School, of course, I've gone, I'm, I, I was probably in the third phase, so we started out in, in Georgia, went to uh, the mountains in Georgia, got to Florida. Florida was rough for me. I got recycled two times, first, the first because of cellulitis. They put me in the hospital the next time because I just failed the patrol. Um, and uh, I remember one day we were uh, in a patrol base, and I mean, we're just all out of it. Uh, it's, it's just rough. We've been in it for a long time. And the patrol base, you're just sitting there, you know, guarding yourself, preparing for the next mission. And I must have been in the prone. I was laying down on my, on my stomach with my, my weapon out. And uh, I look back, and there's a tree there, and um, I saw a giant cupcake. You know, y'all have seen a giant cupcake? <laughs> my cupcake was like, like this big. It had vanilla frosting. It was a yellow cupcake because that's what I like. It's my hallucination. And, uh, and then, no joke, this guy next to me, I don't know why we were hallucinating at the same time, but he got up. This is a patrol base. You're not supposed to do this. He got up, walked over to a tree, reached into his pocket as if he was pulling out money, and starts putting coins into a drink machine. I, I guess he, his hallucination was that he wanted a drink, a Coke. That's what, that's what lack of rest does for you. Of course, that's an extreme case of it, but you cannot, your body is frail. We're hopelessly weak and frail, and you cannot exist without water, without food, food is your energy, and of course, without rest. And I think unless we come to grips with that one simple point, what, what's going to happen is we'll constantly set ourselves up for failure because we'll wear ourselves out. And I, I mean, I, I've done it. Some of you in this room are like me. You think you're strong and, and invincible, right? There's nothing that can stop you. I don't need to sleep. I don't need to rest. And, uh, and I, because I know you, I know some of you are, are very much higher capacity people. You can do a lot, handle a lot, do a lot without um, seemingly uh, needing breaks. But I think the truth is God put it in us that we would all 
have limits. There, there's boundaries to all the things that we can do physically, emotionally, even spiritually. And if you go beyond those bounds, you will disintegrate. Your body's going to stop. You're going to have a breakdown of some sort. Here's a third reason why we should remember the Sabbath. The Sabbath is the Sabbath rest is fundamentally an act of trust and faith. I've been hitting at this for the last couple minutes. Um, Sabbath rest, resting period. It's not just chilling out and doing nothing. I mean, that's that's the kind of thought that we have in regards to. I mean, that's what I think about it even sometimes now. And of course, chilling out and doing nothing probably should be an aspect of that for some of us, for some of us who who can't slow down. But when we're resting, we're trusting. To be inactive means that something that you probably want to do isn't happening. But in that space, you're filling it with opportunities for you to trust that God loves you enough to care for you and that he will help you um, to, to get through whatever you do. And so you're stop, stopping doing whatever you're doing so that you can simply obey God and what he said. Here's a fourth reason. The Sabbath actually looked back to redemption. There are actually two renditions of the Ten Commandments. So the Israelites, they get to Mount Sinai, God gives them the Ten Commandments, and then he takes them to the very, uh, very foot of their promised land, to Canaan. And he shows them what it looks like. He tells them to send in 12 spies. They go and spy out the land. Two of them come back with a good report, Joshua and Caleb. Ten of them say, oh, there's giants in the land. Oh, by the way, there's all this great food and stuff, but there's no way that we're going to be able to conquer these people. And so uh, they basically, Israel decides not to go into the promised land, and, and God rebukes them for it. And he rebukes them for 40 years. It's like a 40-year spanking, if you can imagine that, just like walking around in the wilderness, Forty years passed. The generation that doubted God die off, and God brings them to the same point. He brings them to the, the point where they would get ready to go into to the promised land. And Moses is getting ready to, to die, to go back to the dust. And he reissues all the commands of God, and he reissues, in particular, the Ten Commandments. And we see in chapter 5, verses 12, uh, another rendition of the Sabbath command. Deuteronomy 5.12, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day, a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work, you and your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or your, any of your livestock. I mean, these are all the same words we've heard before, right? Or your sojourner who's in your gates, that your male servant or your female servants may rest as you all do. But look what happens in verse 15. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath. I don't know for what reason God did this. Actually, I do. I'm going to tell you in a second. Um, he changes. I mean, he, he doesn't change it. He deepens the, the purpose of the Sabbath for Israel, and he tells them, Here's the real reason for, for Sabbath. Don't forget that, all right, you're supposed to, to worship me because I've, I'm your creator, God, the one that made you and made all that exists in the world. But he also says, you need to remember me because of redemption. I'm, a, I'm the God that rescued you. I'm the God that, that took you out from, from slavery so that you wouldn't have to, to work 
seven days a week, 52 days a year with no break. I'm, I'm the one that rescued that, you from that. More so, it was a call to trust. He's saying to them, trust that the God who made you controls all things with his sovereign power. But he's also saying the God that saves them from their enemies, from sin, from death, from hell, loves them enough to allow them not only work, but an opportunity to rest. So what does the fourth commandment mean? It means that we're supposed to take a day, one and seven, when we rest from our work to remember the Lord. All right, so the rest of our time we're going to spend talking about what does this mean for today? I mean, it's cool to understand the history of the Old Testament, but how do we as New Testament Christians living in the 21st century um, sort of deal with this? And for that, I'm mostly going to jump into the New Testament. So the Sabbath is treated differently in the New Testament versus the Old Testament, primarily because of the advent of Jesus, right? So Jesus uh, comes from eternity. He's incarnated. Uh, John 1 says uh, he became flesh and dwelt amongst us, God himself in the flesh. Uh, the New Testament tells the, the story of the redemption of God in that Jesus not only comes, he grows up. He learns obedience through what he learned. He lives a righteous life. And then Jesus matches with a singular message. He says, the kingdom of God is here. Jesus comes, um, and when he brings the kingdom, he brings his rule. He brings uh, the reign of God. And he brings really a, a, a reforming of the Israel thought and practice of their laws, primarily these moral laws, the ones that don't go away. In the Gospels, we learn two things about Jesus in regards to the Sabbath. The first is Jesus kept the Sabbath. I mean, Jesus kept it. He kept all laws, obviously, and he kept them perfectly. Uh, the Bible tells us that Jesus did everything without sinning. He never deviated from God's plan. In fact, in Matthew uh, chapter 5, verse 17, we read these words, Jesus um, elaborating on his keeping of the law. Do not, don't think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and of the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. This was, this was supposed to be a hard word. He was actually rebuking the Pharisees um, for their exact uh, practice of the law without understanding the heart behind it. The, the Pharisees uh, obeyed the law out of selfish reasons. They were trying to justify themselves. And, and become accepted to God based upon what they were doing. They filled the law, they fulfilled the law perfectly, but they did it out of the wrong motive. And Jesus here is, is basically saying, hey, I fulfilled the law because here's the truth. Most of you can't really, you can't do it. You're going to fail God in, in what he's told you to do in some way. But when you fail, know that as you trust in me, it will, God will receive you. He'll accept you. He'll even credit you with righteousness as you, as you focus on me because I've done it for you. So Jesus kept the Sabbath. Not only that, uh, the New Testament tells us Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. This comes back to the, the verse I mentioned before. 
Mark 2, 23 through 27, I won't read this. Jesus is walking through, um, walking, uh, just walking around with some of his disciples. Uh, they're hungry, like, like people always get, and they're walking through a grain field, and, uh, and they start plucking off heads of grain. This is probably eating like a, like a Scooby snack, you know, just trying to nourish themselves. And there's likely Pharisees nearby, and the Pharisees started arguing, hey, your disciples are, are sinning. They're, they're working on the Sabbath by feeding themselves. And Jesus basically rebukes the Pharisees and said, they're not doing anything wrong. Haven't you heard of what David did when David was fleeing from Saul? Him and, and, uh, and his horde, he went to the priest Abiathar, went into the temple, and actually ate the, the bread of presence that was in the, the very presence of God. And then he makes this grand statement that uh, the Sabbath was, uh, the man was not made for the Sabbath as if there's these rules that we're supposed to, um, to fulfill so that God is happy. He said, no, God made the Sabbath for man so that he would have uh, an opportunity for respite and, and really uh, relaxing in who God is and the wonder of God after his labor is done. So Jesus basically reforms uh, the Jewish thought and practice about the law, particularly uh, in regards to the Sabbath. And so fast forward in the Gospels. Jesus dies on the cross. He ascends into heaven. The early church is formed, and we come to the, the Acts of the Apostles, the book of, the book of Acts. And what we learn from the, the book of Acts about Sabbath and worship really is formative to how we're supposed to live today uh, as Christians in regards uh, particularly to the Sabbath. Acts tells us that the Jewish Christians continue to take one day a week to worship God. One day they stopped working. Uh, actually, they actually didn't stop working. They carved out time within that day uh, to worship God, and they went back to work. Here's the caveat. Jewish Christians start, stopped making a big deal out of the Sabbath day. What's the, what's the Jewish Sabbath, Sabbath day? Saturday. The Jewish day of rest was on the last day of the week. Christians changed that around. Jesus um, was resurrected, okay, on a Sunday, and that day became more, more important, and it seemed more appropriate to them to worship on that day than the, the Old Testament Jewish Sabbath. And they, they found it they thought it was so important and pivotal, Jesus resurrecting on a Sunday, that they gave it a name. They called it the Lord's Day. And on that day, in particular, Christians would come together, they'd gather like we're gathering now, and they would uh, sing songs, they worship God, they, they would listen to and uh, read uh, the words of Scripture, they would hear the word preached, they would, uh, they would give of their income to support the, the poor, and this basically became their perpetual day of worship. And so, whereas the Jewish Sabbath day was on a Saturday, Jewish Christians started celebrating the Lord's Day on a Sunday. Fast forward again, later in the first century, the Apostle Paul provides the following guidance to Christians in his letters. Romans 14:5. Paul says to a Gentile congregation, he says, One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. All right, there's a lot here, but what Paul is basically saying is, he said, don't judge. He's like saying, it's inconsequential what day you observe uh, 
in regards to ceremonies and stuff. This is what Paul is saying. He's like, um, whatever you do, you need to have faith in, in doing it. If you can't do it in faith, you probably shouldn't do it, and you definitely shouldn't judge anybody else when they do it. Paul goes on and says, uh, says more in Colossians chapter 2. Colossians 2.16. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. Now, if, if we would get into this, this verse here, what Paul is definitely saying here is, is that if you're a Christian, you really are no longer required to keep the Sabbath. And here's why he's saying that. Two overarching principles. Now, I'm going to get into some, some pretty deep theological stuff, and I'm not going to give it adequate treatment, so, I mean, don't, don't like, beat me up. Okay, this, these each deserve a sermon of themselves, but I think that we, we need to touch on the issue just a little bit to get through um, what the Sabbath means. Two principles. The first principle, the New Testament teaches us that Christ has freed us from the law. Galatians 3.13. Show that for me. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Why, why has Christ freed us from the law? Because he's fulfilled all the law in and of himself. He lived a righteous life on the earth, doing everything God told him to do. He goes to the cross, dies in our place for our sin. And the, the witness that God received him as a perfect sacrifice is that the spirit of God raised him from the, from the grave, okay, and even ascended him to heaven. And so from, from this first principle, we know that Christ has freed us from the law because he's fulfilled the law. The laws of Israel, all of them, were given as, as signs and symbols of a greater reality. So ceremonies, dress codes, special days, special weeks, all those, are point, uh, those, those were pointing to a greater reality. What's the greater reality? Jesus himself. Jesus comes, he lives, he dies, God receives his sacrifice. We no longer have to observe all those symbols and signs because Jesus is the fulfillment of those. And this is primarily why the early church um, felt that it was okay to change the Jewish Sabbath into a Lord's Day, whereas they worshiped on Sunday. They thought it was more appropriate. Here's the second principle. And this one is as important as the second, as the first. And I'm not, I'm not um, going against what I said in the first time. We should still observe the principle of the Sabbath. Did you hear that? So I just told you, you don't have to observe the Sabbath. I'm dyslexic. I know that. But really, here's, here's what freedom from the laws of God does for you. It frees you to, it frees you to do what God commands you to do. We should still observe the principle of the Sabbath. Even though we're free from the technicalities of the Sabbath law, we're still God's people. We are no less God's people than the Israelites were walking in the wilderness with the wonders of God right before them. All those who profess faith in Jesus, uh, really, uh, we are the new Israel. What does what is Paul say in the New Testament? He says, who, who are the real Israel? It's not just those who are of biological descent. It's those who, who have faith in Jesus. 
And so we are as much Israel as the, the natural born Jew is. As such, we still are called to stop striving and to stop and to cease trusting in ourselves and instead rest and trust in God. And so in a sense, if we view the Sabbath or we view the, the Sabbath rest, if you want to call it that, as a day that we're supposed to rest and trust in God, it should be one of the most favorite days that you have of your week. It's a day to rejoice in what God has done for you. It's a day for you to rest in your relationship with him. I mean, that's what it was meant for. Um, here's the thing. I think if we say no to this command, what we're doing is we're bowing down to something else. And I can say that because I'm as, I'm as avid a violator of this, this command as almost all of you in here put together. But, but here's, the, here's the challenge for, for us. If we can't rest when God calls us to, we actually are trusting in something else. And what is that? That's a violation of the first commandment. We've, we've raised up a God, the God of our work that's going to provide for me, make me successful, put food on my table, pay my bills, um, instead of resting and trusting in the God that says, I will take care of you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Check it out. Seriously, I'm bad at this. I'm standing up here repenting in front of you, saying your pastor is probably the worst. I, sh I should not be preaching this. I mean, it's like, like God is like, like checking me every word I say. This is a hard command for all of us because it's just so easy in our culture to bypass it, to dismiss it, and to just keep going because we have other things that are important that we have to get done, right? And that really is what we say to ourselves. Why is it that this command to rest is so hard? Four reasons. We believe that our to-do list is more important than God's. And you might not say that out of your lips, but that's what you're saying when you don't, when you don't take a Sabbath. That's what I'm saying. And then we start this conversation with God. It's like, Lord, I've got all this stuff to do. And like, I got a, I got a sermon to prepare. If I'm not prepared, I'm going to look like a fool and your people aren't going to get fed and all these kinds of things. But this is what God says back to you. He says, this is about submission. This is about authority. And this is about trust. Either you're going to trust me or you're not. And most of the times we hear that from God. And when we do, we keep on doing what we got to do. Here's another reason. We feed our egos and, and, and rest reveals our weaknesses. I, I'm, 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 I like to work hard. I, I bet you do too. It feels good when we work. We, uh, we set goals for ourselves. We hit those goals. When we produce well, the truth is people might even notice us and like give us accolades and praise when we do well. I mean, that right? We live in a country that works harder and longer than every other country on the face of the planet. And so our culture is we work hard, we work through lunch, we take our work home, we skip vacations so that we can work, and we've bought into this idea that work and productivity uh, is good for us because it gives us success. Who needs rest? It's only the old people and the lazy people. They're the ones that take naps, and I ain't about to take no nap. That's what we say. Here's a third reason. We confuse rest with laziness. Laziness is not resting. Those are two different things. Laziness 
is when you are supposed to do something, but you don't do it on a given day, and you know that you really need to, need to get it done. Laziness is about you and your own self-interest. Rest points you to God because he says you need it. It's needed refreshment for you. The, the, the Sabbath is for man because God knows you need it. Here's another reason. We refuse to rest because we feel guilty when we do it. For those of you that are type A personalities, you feel guilty when you take up, when you like, like just sit down in a chair and exhale. Oh, that's it. Let me get back to it. Isn't that right? And it's mom's day. You know, it's moms are the moms. You all feel guilty when you, when you rest. You, t- you feel guilty when you lay down with your baby who's taking a nap because you've got to get stuff done. There's a million things that, that, that need to get done, and if you take a moment to rest, certainly all the things that you need to get done won't get done, and that's why you feel guilty. You feel guilty when um, there's dishes in the sink and there's laundry in the laundry room and the house feels disheveled, and the devil, the devil speaks to you directly, and he makes you guilty because he tells you that you're a bad mom if you don't do those things, when actually... Your house just looks like somebody that lives in it. I mean, what are our houses for? I mean, good grief. God's calling you to rest, to trust in him and not in yourself. And I know that's hard. Here's the crux of, of what I'm talking about today. Until we know, until I know and submit to Jesus, the Sabbath is either going to remain a mystery or it's going to be a burden to us. We can do all the self-talk we want. Lord, I can't take a day off because i got so much to do. There's people depending on me. And even if I do set the day aside, I mean, what in the world would I do? Y'all ever tried to take a day of solitude? Two years ago, I got away for a whole week. I just went to a remote place, no TV. My wife was the only one, only one that could uh, text me. It was like, it killed me. It was like, it was hard just to get away and have some solitude. What does that mean? That means Jeff's got some stuff in him that he needs to work out in regards to this command. Jesus gives rest to the weary. That's what we need to learn. The Sabbath day is the thing that prepares us to receive the rest that Jesus gives. Here's one more thing uh, that we know about Jesus and the Sabbath. Jesus is our Sabbath rest. He tells us this in Matthew 28-29. to Show me the scripture. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest in your souls. For My yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's Jesus speaking to all of you that that love to work. That's Jesus speaking to all of you that, um, that do labor hard, but you're tired. You're weary, and you would confess that to him. He says, you can find rest in me. And so here's the last question I have for you. What should be true of us in our lives as it relates to the fourth commandment? Two things. Here's the first one. We should obey God who says to remember it and keep it. Honestly, it doesn't matter what day you choose to observe the Sabbath. It could be a Saturday. It could actually be a Monday. I think for most of us, we have a, a Monday to Friday sometime range uh, work week. And so the neat thing is in our culture, around the 1900s, 
uh, our leaders couldn't decide between celebrating the Jewish Sabbath or the, the, the Christian Sunday Lord's Day. And so they gave us both days off. It's like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Moses. Right. Isn't that cool? So some some would suggest take one day as a day of rest, but also take one day as a day of worship, because we're supposed to be doing both of those things as, as a celebration of the Sabbath. But I would tell you, and I'm telling myself this, too, because I'm a violator of it. If you don't plan it, prepare for it and make it habitual, you'll never do it. So what I'm telling what am I encouraging you to do? Um, stop what you're doing. Find a day of the week, any day. If you work like I do on Sunday, then choose a day that you can that can be cyclical for you, that you can create a habit um, and take that day as a day to firstly worship God, thanking him for all that he is and does in your life, but also a day that you and your body and your soul can rest in the Lord. Stop trusting in your own work and trust in his work. Back in the, back in the day, I, I remember growing up, uh, going to church with my grandma. My grandma would make all her food on Saturday night so that she didn't have to cook and nobody was working, laboring on a Sunday. I'm not saying that we need to do that, although that would be nice. Here's the command. This is what the command says. And this is what I'm encouraging you to do. You need a day to stop doing the things that you do during the week so that your family can rest and you can remember the Lord. Guys, this doesn't mean that you're off from work Sunday. You can kick back, watch TV while your wife like labors over you hand and foot. Obviously, there are some that need to, 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 to work so that others can labor. I mean, that's just the culture we live in. But if if people in your house can't rest when you are resting, that means you need to help them find a different day to, to, to rest so they have this opportunity to Sabbath with the Lord. The last thing that I would give you is this. God calls us to receive the promise which this day speaks to, which is Jesus. This day points us to Jesus. The Sabbath points us to Jesus because ultimately the command is fulfilled in him. Chances are, if you're a hard worker, I mean, if you're diligent about the, the things that God puts in your hand, uh, regardless of how successful you are, you're weary. Your body is tired. Your, your mind perhaps is, you know, just worn out. And Jesus has his hands um, outstretched, and he says, come to me, all you who are, who are weary and heavy laden, and uh, just, I mean, grip my hand. He says, my, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And if you're one that has labored so hard, perhaps even bypassing this command to rest, then God calls you to rest in him. I think if, if God gives us a command that he both models and commands us to do, it would be our due diligence to take him seriously. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that it would be pro, uh, um, it would be helpful for our people. More than that, I pray that it would give them uh, life. Lord, this is one of those commands that uh, sometimes we miss the practicality of it um, for a number of ways. Lord, we, we repent for taking this simple command of, of stopping, of ceasing what we're doing and resting and, and running right through it with our work. Lord, we repent from all those times that we have 
chosen to trust in our own work rather than trusting in your work. Help us, Lord. Help us simply to obey you. Help us to see the importance of, uh, of our, our frailty before you. And uh, God, help us to find rest in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.